the optimal life. Mr. Roy Dean, welcome. God, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for being here. Like I said uh, before we went on just now, you have impacted me in some way, shape, or form because you were one of the first people that I was watching several years ago on YouTube when I was trying to figure out what's this jujitsu thing. I mean, mm -hmm. I've seen all these people talking about it and gi and no gi and what, what is all this this martial art that I knew a little bit about but didn't really understand. And I started coming across belt promotion videos and some of the strenuous tests that some of these guys and, and I came across the Roy Dean YouTube page, which uh, it, uh, honestly still today is probably my favorite of all the jujitsu pages. Hmm. That's a very nice compliment. I appreciate that. And then I see uh, you about a year ago, this fourth degree black belt video that gets almost a million. You're at 892,000 views. Mm -hmm. What does that yeah. mean? Fourth, what does that mean? Fourth degree black belt, Roy? Uh, let's start there. What's the difference between fourth degree and, and anything below that? So fourth degree black belt uh, signifies a commitment to the art that goes beyond your own personal game and development. You know, when you start jujitsu and you go from white to blue or blue to purple, it's a time where you can be very selfish. You are trying to amass techniques for yourself. And the difference between not knowing something and knowing something is the difference between life and death, between being able to defend or not defend. But then as time goes on, and that's a very, you have to go through that phase of that selfish orientation. Hey, I need to develop my game. I need to understand this art. But then once you get your black belt and you start teaching, and if you hang a shingle, and start spreading the art, you need to learn things that are beyond you. You need to be able to do techniques and teach techniques that you may not necessarily use, but you know your students would use because it fits their body type a little bit better. That's a very common situation. Your students might model your movement or many of your techniques, but you need to teach for them and not for you. And once you have that that new perspective on the new horizon, then your, your, you know, your goal orientation shifts and you hang out in the art and just get, you know, it, it just expands that, that vision of the art expands. And by the time you reach a fourth degree black belt, you've been in it for a while. You've put your time in and have been able to hopefully not only be good at jujitsu, but also empower other people with this incredibly addictive and fun martial art mm, beautiful well not only are you a fourth degree black belt in bjj brazilian jiu-jitsu you also hold black belts again this sounds like i'm making this up folks you also hold black belts in judo aikido and japanese is it jujutsu it's spelled differently uh, it is pronounced the same jujitsu okay mm-hmm Mm -hmm. So, I mean, Roy, I mean, you, as if a fourth degree black belt in BJJ is not enough. Well, it, the, the fourth degree is where I, I am definitely most skilled. You know, I put most of the time into uh, the BJJ realm and I love it. it it's been the most um, one of the most difficult things I've ever done in my life. Um, learning, figuring out jujitsu, um, staying involved in the art. Because there's a lot of challenges along the way that have nothing to do with, you know, learning a technique or an arm bar or anything like that. There's a lot of balancing the art with your life, you know, integrating it into a lifestyle. Can you sustain that? Uh, what other exercise do you need to do so it's complementary to your jujitsu practice so you don't end up like, you know, with a bad posture and a ruined neck and, you know, fingers that are all messed up you have to find that kind of that middle ground uh, so that you can continue to do the art for a long period of time um, so it is a very challenging road but because you have these challenges placed upon you you end up uh, rising to the occasion and some of the other martial arts that i did you know i started seriously doing martial arts when i was 16 i was sent to japan as an exchange student uh, I was a rotary exchange student and they asked me to do a, a Japanese art after school. 
And I had a, a couple of different options, but I chose to do judo and they warned me though, like I was very tough. And, uh, but I was ready. I was 16. I had some teenage angst and I wanted to like, I wanted to learn how to fight. I wanted to get tough. So I poured myself into that. And then everything that came from that afterwards was just a natural, just trying to understand the art of jujitsu a little bit better after judo, then Aikido, and then the Japanese jujitsu, uh, and then eventually BJJ. But once I got into BJJ, it, it was what I was really looking for. How would you articulate the difference between all those other martial arts and then finding this calling? We'll call it, we'll call it for lack of a better word, this calling in BJJ. What was the difference for you? Well, I think part of it, it, part of it is cultural. Like in Japan, judo is much more popular. It's like American. It's like a wrestling in the U S so it's celebrated. They have monthly Shi'ai or tournaments, uh, and you can dedicate yourself to that. But in the in the U.S., the judo culture is not very strong. So judo is mainly throwing people to the ground using the gi. The Aikido is learning how to blend. It's another form of jujitsu, but it's learning how to blend off of their attack and how to harmonize with them. So there's a lot of yielding involved. The difference between like Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and Aikido, um, Aikido tends to, like if you ever get a technique done really well and it feels kind of effortless, we could say that's like 80 to 90% leverage and 10 or 20% strength. Like that is how most of the Aikido techniques feel. Mm. They're using momentum and they're really capitalizing on the leverage through through like perfect timing. Uh, but the Aikido, they don't go into the, well, what if they resist there or what if they counter? Um, and the BJJ, if you have those moments of blending, but you have to set them up uh, a little bit more. You have to, instead of in Aikido, like they'll come at you and push into you, but it's kind of telegraphed. You know it's coming. So that gives you an opportunity to like prepare. In judo or BJJ, you have to initiate that timing by pushing into them. Then they push back. And then, so you get the party started with kind of the, the full-scale judo or, or Brazilian jiu-jitsu mm. arts. So you're really controlling all of that. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of blending in Aikido. In the judo and jiu-jitsu, there's... Yeah, there's blending, there's pushing, there's pulling, and there's blocking. So there's the, you have to kind of learn how to initiate techniques and get them to do kind of a predictable response so you can take advantage of it. And that translates to everyday life. It really translates the most to, to competition in life, right? I mean, you could make your plans, but you don't necessarily know what the other person's going to do. There's this butterfly effect, we'll call it, all these different things in motion. You can try your best, but you also have to have backup plans for, hey, if that person does something that I don't expect, how am I going to pivot? Exactly. Exactly. The backup plans. It's disappointing if you have an expectation, whether that's like uh, a business deal or in a relationship, you have expectations and they do something different. Maybe they do something slightly different than you thought, or maybe it's totally out of left field and you're like, wow, that wasn't, you were banking on them doing this one thing. Mm. And jujitsu teaches you over time, not maybe not initially, but over time you learn, oh, well, I have something for that. Or we can, we can work with that. We can deal with this. And eventually you learn to just kind of look at things without that much expectation and just say, oh, well, we'll see what happens because you have enough tricks in your bag to be able to blend and I wouldn't say manipulate, but you can kind of nudge situations uh, in a direction that's to your advantage. Yeah, give us an example, if you don't mind. What's something that comes to mind in your everyday life or something recently that happened to you where that exact same thing happened and you were able to nudge it in your favor? Mm, let's see. 
Um, there was a, there was a, a friend who was, he was going through a, he's going through a difficult time. And so I said, Hey man, why don't you come? I have a guest room. Why don't you come over? And I had no expectation. Now, if I had an expectation for my friend to live his life exactly the way I want, oh, you're here in my house. You got to follow these rules. You got to do this. You got to do that. But it's not like that. It's more of like, I think I can work with this situation. He comes in and the, the guy put in the work. I have to say, I'm really proud of him. He came to a new town, made friends at the BJJ Academy, got a job within two days and got himself set up in a way where I didn't really have any expectation for him. I was just hoping for the best. And in the ways that I was able to help support him, uh, you know, maybe drive him to the job interview or this or that. But I have no idea how that situation is actually going to, to pan out. So I gave him an, I said, Hey, you know, you can be here for 30 days within a month. He got a job, he got established. He moved in with a, a, another friend that he met at the academy. And there was no, I'm really disappointed in you, or there's no, oh, you, you did what I wanted you to. It's all on him. It's, it's like, I can control what I can control. And if I can help you, I, I will. Mm -hmm. But I'm not necessarily trying to do anything for you. And in jujitsu, you learn that it's very difficult to disrupt someone if they are well-based if they are firmly rooted in the earth. So often in jujitsu, you have to get them to either come into you or chase you. Maybe you move away and they, and they come after you, right? Mm -hmm. So you get them to move. I can't move them. I have to do something and then they respond and then I can take advantage of that. So it's really never about doing something to somebody else. It's about getting them to want to move in the direction where I, I, I gave an opportunity. This is a, that that's beautiful stuff. Uh, Cause correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, listen, you could be the toughest guy in the world. You could be the strongest guy in the room and you can get smashed by a guy that's half your size, who has the right technique, the right training, the knowledge to me, this in my short period of training, what I'm seeing and I'm learning quickly is, Jiu-jitsu, I mean, it's up here in our heads. It's up in the brain. It's, it's how, how strong, how important is the brain for a jiu-jitsu practitioner versus sheer athleticism and strength? Oh, it's, it's critical to engage your mind to overcome physical superiority. And that's size, strength. Um, but there's a difference between knowledge. You have to have the knowledge, but then you have to structure your training so that you program your body to do specific movements uh, and techniques without thinking, right? Because if you, if you think, oh, I should do an arm lock here and you think, okay, foot on the hip, rotate 90 degrees, throw the leg behind the armpit, leg over the face, okay, go for it. Too slow, man. Too the other slow. guys are the guy's gone already. Yeah. Yeah, the guy's yeah. gone. Guy's gone. So you need to know, oh, I need to learn the arm lock. So you go with a training partner or you're in class and you drill it. And so you're using your mind to set up the situation where you program your body. Now, some people can program and you program all these different movement patterns into your body. Now, some people don't actually engage. They're more athlete and they want to be programmed by their coach. And so that's good. And we're all programmed by our coach to a certain degree. But after a while, you want to be able to change the program. You know, have you ever seen, I don't know if you've ever watched a match where a guy keeps going for the same thing over and over again, because that's what he knows. And that's his number one thing. But the other guy is, you know, thwarting it or can't get him with that particular thing. The real jujitsu is being able to shift your strategy and adapt your overall jujitsu strategy so you can find the right techniques to match that particular opponent. Now, you can be programmed as an athlete to do, to have like a really good game plan and beat most people, but 
being able to, it's like a computer. It's nice to be able to use the software, but when you can program your own software, that's where the real mastery comes in. Yes. I love the the mental aspect, the emotional aspect of this sport. It's it's riveting to sit there and watch. I got to tell you, to sit there and watch guys like you in these rolling sessions, and you make it look. I'm like, oh, I'll do, I'll go do that. That looks easy. <laughs> and then you get into the the situation, and everything goes blank. It's like, how did Roy or whoever I'm watching make it look so freaking easy? Because it's not. It's mm-hmm. not. And, and when there's people like you know, Michael Jordan makes shooting hoops look easy. Tom Brady makes throwing a football look easy. Roy Dean makes jujitsu look easy. So kudos to you on, on everything on everything you're doing for the sport. Um, but you, you mentioned jujitsu is a superpower. This is on your website and it will give oh, yeah. you the edge you're looking for. Mm-hmm. I just had on um, uh, Lauren Murphy who fights in the UFC. Oh yeah. And she said that jujitsu saved her life. And she did a talk. I, we linked it in the show notes on a recent episode. You can go see the YouTube of it where she was promoted uh, black belt a month or so ago. Yeah. And she talks. Her. A, yeah. And she talks about literally how 14 years ago she walked into a gym face down, head down, taking d- pills and, and booze and addicted to everything she shouldn't have been addicted to and had no confidence and no self-esteem. And she walked into a jujitsu gym, a Gracie Baja. And Mm -hmm. almost like that, the rest is history. She turned her life around. I'm sure you've seen people that have been in dark places that have gone through the, come into your gyms or through the sport and have really turned their life around. What is it? What is it about this sport, uh, Roy, that's so therapeutic? Well, a a couple things about that. Number one, uh, Lauren, Lauren actually walked into my friend's academy up in Alaska uh, and he, I introduced him to jujitsu and then he ended up meeting another black belt and they started, uh, the Gracie Baja Alaska team. And now there's a bunch of schools. So it's, it, it's funny what a small world, the jujitsu, wow. you know, and Lauren was a roommate of my friend up in Alaska. We were watching the UFCs together years ago. That's wild. That's wild. Yeah. Right. Is it, yeah. isn't it's, it's amazing how, how that works. And you know, her story is phenomenal, but yet it's not that unique. Why? Because jujitsu proves to you that you're tougher than you thought, that it, that you have more options than you can imagine. You just need to be able to put work in to be able to discover and recognize awareness, assessment, and action. Right, a lot of people are just in this action. They cut right to action. That's my first Japanese uh, jujitsu instructor, Julio Tribio. His, what, he was really into the philosophy of jujitsu: awareness, assessment, action. When you first start jujitsu, your awareness is really low. Like you might understand what a submission is, oh, it's a triangle, it's an arm lock, kimura, whatever. But the awareness is really when they're setting that up, when they grab your wrist, when they cut behind your elbow that kind of a, that kind of a thing that's you need to expand your awareness and then you need to know okay what are my two or three options i can do from this position it's not a million options it's just narrowing it down to a couple and then then you take decisive action with that and so you the jujitsu techniques are a metaphor for taking action in your life you realize, okay, this is not, this is, you know, and every day is, and every day is different on the mat. Every day training is, is different. Today, I, I went and trained this morning. It wasn't my day. I mean, I did, I did fine, but I wasn't, I wasn't on fire. It wasn't, I it was, I would say it was a lower performance day for me. Uh, and learning to accept that every day is different and it's not necessarily predictable. Wow. Interesting. What is that? What is that thing that we have? Whether you're at an elite level like yourself or a beginner like me, every day can't be the same day. And it's like, is there any, was there anything you did different last night, the day before this morning, or was it just, that's just the way it is. See that kind of inquisitiveness about your performance, because when you're doing jujitsu, it's perfect biofeedback. 
you suffer the consequence if you do maybe a wrong move or if you didn't prepare properly. Like, I, I drank too much last night. Okay. Uh, I have, my diet's been totally off and I'm, I'm just not fueled properly. Mm-hmm. You know, having, going back and assessing what did I do different yesterday that led me to a poor performance today? Or maybe you, you worked out too hard. You went to CrossFit before and you can't do CrossFit hard and jujitsu hard. You can, maybe you do CrossFit hard and then you do jujitsu light. Right. You, you learn, oh, I need to moderate my intensity. There was a guy who's, he's a really good black belt and he's been trying to lose some weight and he's, he's feeling he's, he's on fire. He's dropping the pounds. He's in the groove, but he trained a little too much. He did all the warmups. He did class. He lifted weights. Then he went for a run (laughs) and the run was too much. And he pulled his hamstring. Right. So it's a, it's about moderating you know, kind of assessing how do I get a little bit better? Maybe if I eat brown rice, it'll be better than white rice and I'll have a better performance. So all these things year after year start adding up. And then you have this kind of holistic fill-in effect where, hey, my diet's on point. I'm in much better shape. People want to be around me because I'm fun and, you know, I have positive energy and I, I you know, I'm a guy that makes things happen, right? So it's synergistic. It's not just one thing. These things start adding up and then you get confidence and people love confidence. Well, they Man. gravitate to that energy, right? I mean, yeah, they gravitate yeah. to the energy that you're exuding and that you're emitting because there's something about it that, that you know, what I'm learning is that, hey, people, you don't necessarily need to, need to go pop a Xanax and see a shrink right away. Hey, go walk mm. into a jujitsu gym. Let's see what happens. Right. I think there's something to it. There's, and not everyone is into jujitsu. Like I've done other martial arts and they attract other kinds of people. People that like jujitsu like hard things. They like the challenge. Yes. Um, you know, I also work with Aikido Journal. I did Aikido for a number of years. Aikido is a form of jujitsu, but it, it's a little more intellectual. It's a little more philosophical. Um, it's it's not as you know some women don't like jujitsu because the 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 proximity of one body to another is really close and they, they just they're not comfortable with it they don't like it now they could overcome that but for some people they just you know they're not into it mm-hmm. for whatever reason um i look at you know other martial arts as i don't ever like trash other martial arts because sometimes those are feeder arts if you can get people moving, it's a win. If they want to go to higher levels of martial truth, then, you know, what really works in a fight, what really works against this person, what kind of tactics, they can get into that, but that's kind of, uh, that's tough stuff. Not, not everyone is really built for that initially. You can build people up to that point. But not everyone is built right out of the gate to go to like a super intense competition-oriented jiu-jitsu class with a tough warm-up and just murderous rounds one after another. And people, sure. you know, that for some, that that just turns them off too much. Yeah. Oh, and you know what? That would turn me off too. Uh, what I like about my gym, it's fairly new. It's a year and a half. The guy is a black belt, our instructor, amazing guy, um, just opened up a year and a half ago. We're, most, we're mostly white belts in there. I love yeah. it. I love it. It's great. It's it's great. And you that's a very special time in any dojo. Like when you first open, the attention that that teacher gives to you in that first one to two years is very different than year five. Because year five, you are emulating students he's already brought up. Mm-hmm. The, the, the new year five students are going to be emulating you and spending more time with, with you guys. So the teacher will still be there. But he doesn't have to explain everything Correct. to establish that foundation. So being there at this time with that teacher, his pet project, you guys are getting a lot of personal attention. And it's that's a nice place to be. Oh, it is. It is. And again, I, I think it's a amazing. Hey, listen, if you're feeling depressed, or you're feeling down and out, go step foot in and get, give it give it two months. Give it give it eight weeks. See how you feel eight weeks later. 
I can almost guarantee as long as you're not getting smashed and these people are beating you for no reason, as long as it's a respectful environment, you're going to have some positive, positive results. Um, so I wanted to talk to you. We, we kind of talked about you teased your YouTube channel at the beginning here. Mm-hmm. And again, when you see a video that gets 900,000 views, are you feeling that? Like, does that change the brand? Are you getting hit up by more people when those that number of eyeballs is is seeing a, a fourth degree belt, black belt test? It's been it's been going on for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, I I was an early adopter to YouTube, so I would say in two thousand seven, I, I I started posting a few things. And there was a purple belt test, I think, in 2007, 2008, 2008, I think, um, that that went viral. And that put me on the map in a way. That There were a couple of, of early videos that put me on the map and brought me to people's attention. Was that um, your own purple belt test or a test you were giving to somebody else? No, it was a test I was giving to somebody else. Okay, because you were a black belt and already at that point. I was a black belt and... He was a great athlete, and I, I didn't just have it unedited. I went the extra mile. You know, I had it edited, so it's action packed. It's the highlights. I put music to it, and I made each one inspirational. Yes. All these videos are about share. It's it's the the struggle. It's a hero's journey every one of these belt demonstration videos. And I don't do that many anymore because I don't have an academy anymore. I just have an affiliation. And really Which the I ones that I- I wanted to talk to you about that as well. Sorry. I did want yeah, to ask no, you about that. But uh, anyways, go ahead. Yeah. So the, w- what are we doing when we're making these videos? We are giving people, um, there's a couple of things that happen. One, for the person that's doing the demonstration, uh, they know that people are going to be watching it. So they're putting in extra reps. They want their stuff to look good. Mm. And so there's kind of a, rather than going for a competition, competition is also really good, but it's very, very intense. These belt demonstrations can be a slightly less intense experience and more uh, prolonged. You're still tempering their spirit. You're still, you know, putting them through a tough experience where they're going to have to struggle and overcome. Mm -hmm. So that, struggling to overcome the situation or dynamic problem solving under great duress. That is something that these belt demonstrations showcase. And then the person that went through the demonstration, they can always go back years later. They can go back and be like, that's a moment. That's a powerful moment. That's a moment that it's kind of compressed. That is a moment that I put a lot of energy into and I can draw strength from that moment. And then other people watching it, can be inspired, particularly if you have the right music and you have the right kind of like good videography, people can walk away from that being like, man, that's, that's good. That's what, that's, what's possible. That's what we are capable of. Those videos, Roy, are are indeed the videos that really got me going. I'm telling you, how'd you come up with the name crucible? You know, you've got Hmm. Rick's crucible and Hardy's crucible and all, all the crucibles. What, What is that? Where did that come from? Yeah, so the the crucible, um, the crucible is just a a very difficult trial that you have to endure. And so, for a lot of these people, it's not really you can call it a belt test, you can call it a belt exam. I'm one of the few people in the art, you know, in the tr- tradition of my instructor. He kind of codified what he expects to see at different belt levels, mm-hmm. and. So I'm doing a continuation of that. And the, there's essentially two different two different kind of black belt um, tests you can do. You can do a demonstration of skill, which has a whole bunch of techniques involved, which is really the warm-up. And then you spar with four people and you end with me. Um, and it, it, I, the partners I select are, if the guy has a lot of energy, I'll throw someone really tough in there. If he's dying... You know, we might throw someone a little <laughs> lesser yeah. to kind of give them a lifeline to make it to the end. You know, it's it's you got to be sensitive to that situation in the moment. Uh, now, the crucibles are like Peter's crucible, 
um, he didn't know he was going to get tested. So what I did for him was I did my own second degree black belt test with that Mr. Harris put me through. I wrote down all the techniques he asked me to do. Okay. Escape from side mount two times, escape from mount two times, uh, you know, uh, pass a guard three times, that kind of a thing. And it's all live. There's no technique. It's all live, full resistance, that kind of a thing. Now, some people want to do that, or in Peter's case, he didn't know he was going to be doing a black belt test. So that is the task that I gave him. That was and the young he, kid, right? That was the younger. Exactly. The yeah. Anakin Skywalker, young Padawan who's <laughs> who's getting his black belt. And, you know, and he didn't complain. He totally rose to the occasion. And so that you have the belt demonstrations and you have the crucibles, but it's a trial by fire. Mm. And you should emerge from that stronger. We're not here to I've seen in the past some other people that do kind of a physical test. And they just break the guys, you know, they take them too far and it's like, okay, we're not here to injure people. We're here to make them stronger and that resistance and same thing with jujitsu in, in like the daily resistance that you get on the mat that makes you stronger, makes you yes. tougher. When they're taking that exam, whether it's Peter or Rick or and Chris, any of these guys, I've watched a lot of these. I mean, mm -hmm. you, you've made all your old man friends very uh, well known through these mm -hmm. videos. So good job. Um, do you know, though, going into those sessions that, hey, these guys are going to get their black belt today? I mean, it, oh, you're, yeah. you're not testing them. To, oh, you, yeah. you already know, right? We know. We okay. know. And this is something that we, for, for example, one of my guys, he's, he, um, Alex is his name, and we are just picking and choosing he where it's going to happen. So we decided, okay, in October, we're going to go to North Carolina. There's a beautiful dojo there that one of my affiliates runs, uh, Hardy Merit. It's a beautiful traditional Japanese dojo, a lot of wood, gorgeous. And we're going to – it's been his dream. Honestly, it's been this brown belt's dream to do one of these black belt demos and have it filmed and have all of it. so he's been working hard with me the last couple of years and i decided this is a year and i tell him in advance where do you want it who do you want to be there you know because in a way these belt demonstrations are a response to you know if you get your black belt on the podium like you won your tournament that's great mm -hmm. but i've seen a lot of black belt them a black belt promotions where they're like, okay, you're ready. The guy comes up, gets a certificate, shake the hand, a wife and baby are in the audience, and then boom, you're gone. And that was like, okay, that was 10 or 12 years. You need you you should get something right, more. Right, right, right. You know, you, you should get something more so it feels like, oh no, I really earned this. Something that's everlasting. Something that yes. will last the course of time. It makes total sense. Mm -hmm. And this, and this whole idea of rites of passage, where to go to the next level, you have to go through an ordeal. It's in the hero's journey. It's in um, kind of primitive tribes and, and, you know, all human societies. We kind of miss out on those rites of passage. Okay, you get your driver's license at 16 in the US. You get super drunk on your 21st birthday. But you, you don't really do have those really difficult trials anymore that you have to overcome and struggle mm -hmm. once you're out of high school or, you know, a college athletics. It just doesn't happen anymore. So to be able to reintroduce a little bit of uh, strenuousness, a real challenge into somebody's life, uh, it sharpens everything about their entire lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Absolutely love this stuff. Uh, I'm curious, what was the last time you felt scared? And in particular, when I mean scared, I'm talking about where you felt, hey, I might not be able to handle my, my I mean, the question is, is I, I think I know the answer, but was there a time? And if you can remember, do you, do you remember being scared that, hey, if I walk into this bar, some, you know, meathead drunk is going to give me a hard time or do you? you haven't had those feelings in so long. It's hard to even, even say. Mm, 
I mean, the fear comes up in different situations. Look, I'm like 6'2", 6'3", 195 pounds. So most of the time, I don't really think about self-defense in that way. It was it was very eye-opening for me when I started working with some women who, you know, they get their car keys out before they enter the garage. Mm-hmm. You know, they have it in their hand. They have everything prepped. So they're there for a minimal <laughs> amount of time, right. right? I'm like, oh my God, you think about that. I don't think about stuff like that, but that's just my position and overall i'm very confident but there are moments both in real life and on the mat where i i have like flags go up like okay this this could be a little maybe i get a weird feeling off someone on the mat like i don't know if this guy's totally safe i don't know if i really want to do this round uh if i if i roll with somebody that's over 250 280 300 like i i'm i'm not doing it that much they have to be pretty trusted mm-hmm. now but every once in a while i there's a little bit of fear there like i was doing stand up with someone who was at least 280 he must be like 280 to 300 and i was just like okay you can take me down i just don't want to land wrong right i would rather you know so sometimes there's a fear with i don't know this guy that well uh, let's just play it safe. And in real life, several years ago, I went to Los Angeles. I had something to do the next day and I got a hotel in downtown and I had to go through a homeless area mm. and I had to pump myself up a little bit. It's very rare, but I told myself, look tough, Roy, look tough, look wow. tough. Wow. Right. Like, like put, you're, you're trying to look, it's not the, it's not, let me see if I could see what you're saying here and correct me. It's not that you're scared because you know that any of these guys, if they don't, unless they have a weapon, you're not going to have a problem with. It's just that you would prefer not to have an altercation. So let me look the part. So nobody does anything to even get us there. Exactly. And project that energy with your posture, like be, be pretty sharp. You're walking through. If somebody says something to you, you either ignore it or or you give a hard look where they're like, Oh, you know, no, I don't, I don't want that. Um, and that is, that almost never happens. But I do remember that one time in LA, I was like, wow, you're kind of, you know, you need a, you need a put on a facade (laughs) here. What is going on? (laughs) Totally. Wow. That's incredible. But there has to be something so empowering which is really one of the reasons I've started this journey at 42 years old. I've got four Mm -hmm. daughters now Um, Mm. to be able to walk around comfortably and confidently knowing that, Hey, listen, of course, if if somebody hits you or blindsides you, anyone could get knocked out. But if something gets wrapped up or you go to the ground, you're going to have a real good chance on knowing how to defend yourself. And there's got to be something so rewarding for you where you can walk into any place in the world and have that peace and calmness about you. Yes, that is definitely a gift that jujitsu has given me. And people like to be around that too, because it, I'm calm. Mm. I'm, I'm calm. I'm not amped up, ready to like, oh, I mean, there's the, the whole hierarchy with uh, monkeys, like the alpha monkey. I mean, they almost never fight. And the ones at the bottom of the pecking are, they're super stressed out, cortisol levels high, and they'll fight over anything at any time. You know, you, you want to be the guy at the top. You want to be calm. If you need to, you can do it. But it, that almost never, I've never been in a street fight. Yeah, It's and- like when you don't need to, when, cause it's a, it's that energy back to what we said, Roy, it's the energy and that the way that you carry yourself, you're likely never going to have to be in those situations, but at least, you know, God forbid, do I end up in a situation like that? I know exactly what to do. Because like you said, it's all repetition. It's all in the mind. You don't have to think about getting the guy in the arm, 90 degrees, back to what you said. Right. And uh, initially when I started training martial arts, maybe the first five, eight years, it seemed I was kind of pumped up and I was like, oh yeah, I could, I could, I could take someone. I, you know, I used to wear my jujitsu sweatshirts out to the bar and stuff like, you know, I mean, that, that, right. that whole thing, right, I'm like, right, right. look, I'm tough. I'm tough. Yeah. But, but over time, 
that that stuff just fades away. And then in the last couple of years, I mean, the whole idea of self-defense just drops away. I've been in so many, I've rolled so many rounds with so many different people that you just trust. My body knows what to do. It's not even me. Right. My body, I will be able to spontaneously find good leveraging, extricate myself from whatever situation. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm not worried about it. Um, and that... That's something that a lot of martial arts, sometimes they give you a false sense of security where you, you, you've you learned a little. The worst are women that go to a one-day self-defense seminar. Yeah, one-day like Krav Or like a three-hour. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and they're like, I, I want, I, I wish someone would grab my wrist. <laughs> yeah, no, you don't. Right. <laughs> I promise you, you don't. Oh, right. that's hilarious. Yeah, yeah, no doubt about it. Hey, we're getting close to finishing up, but you did mention, uh, so you don't have any personal gyms anymore. You now have this affiliate program. Talk to us. Yes. What, what exactly does that mean and how does that look? So the affiliate program, several years after I, I launched my academy in Oregon, um, people started coming to me. They're like, the kind of jujitsu I want to do is the kind of jujitsu that you are practicing. Uh, but I'm in England. I'm in Tennessee. I'm here, I'm there. And so I've kept a, a, a pretty, I wouldn't say rigid, but um, I have some stringent requirements for affiliates. You know, if they have to tell me what their vision for the artist and their training history, then we have a phone call, then they have to come out and meet me face to face. And if everything is right, then I'm happy to guide them. A lot of these people are already Academy owners. Mm -hmm. You know, they're a Taekwondo master, or they do ninjutsu, or they do, you know, whatever, Krav, uh, whatever it happens to be, but they're into jiu-jitsu and they want to either add that to their academy, or I even have one guy, he's like, this is, the jiu-jitsu is really taken off and I think we're going to go full-time jiu-jitsu now. So I want to offer, because, you know, there are a lot of people with great technique in the world. And uh, I love good technique. I'm a huge fan of great technique. But even more important is having someone who has been down the total path. Like I've been a zealous student, competitor, assistant instructor, instructor, academy owner, affiliation head. I've been through all the phases. And I've seen all the issues. Usually it's not technical issues that my guys call me up for. You know, as as their head, I am available to them. I will respond to them. I will get back to them. And it's usually interpersonal stuff. Well, how do, what do you think about this? I feel like I'm caught between two worlds. Uh, what do I do about this particular student? He's been a, an issue. That kind of stuff. They need someone who's been down that road. And I had that with my instructor, Roy Harris. I remember calling him up and being... And saying, you know, I think I'm burnt out of running a full-time academy. Uh, I don't think I want to sign another three-year or five-year lease. And he's like, oh, well, then you shouldn't do it, you know, because he had been down that road and he had his own academy and he kind of kept it open a little bit too long. Then he took a break. Now he's opened another one. Mm -hmm. you, know, you need someone who's been down that path, not generic marketing advice or or anything like that. You need someone who's been down the road. And, and you've been is, down that road. And, and they get to use, and they could use, in return, they get to use your name, I would imagine. Hey, a Roy Dean Affiliate Academy. Is that for marketing purposes or no? It doesn't oh, yeah. Work like that. It oh, yeah, for sure. And some of them have attracted students from, they'll drive an extra distance just to go to a, an RDA school, mm. or um, they're attracted to the clarity in the, um, in the curriculum. Yes. So with the emphasis being on positional escapes and fundamental movements from white to blue, and then the emphasis for creating combinations from blue to purple, pressure and precision for brown, creating your own signature on the art as you head toward black. You know, also in our lineage, obviously the videos that I've done have attracted a lot of attention. A lot of those guys want to do the same thing. So they end up filming their own demos that they do um with their own students and their students like that so there's kind of a media lineage there's a technical lineage that's great and and i and i feel really good about you know bringing 
more glory to my teacher, Roy Harris, who was recently promoted to seventh degree black belt, Jeez. the second American to, to reach that goal. And yet he's, he's, he's a true master. What is he's there? A true eight master degrees? of the art. So there's 10. There's 10. Okay. There's, there's 10 and red belt is at 10 and you swap out at seventh, you swap out the black for a red and black. Ah, okay. Which so is, it looks. Mr. Amazing. Roy Harris has got the multicolored belt now. <laughs> he does. And, and, you know, and, and he earned it. Not everyone, some people hang out in the art and they don't keep evolving. Mm-hmm. But he is a guy who has continued to evolve. And every time I interact with him, I'm blown away by his, you know, his perspective uh, on the art and his own development. Hey, real quick, the, these Costa Rica uh, BJJ retreats, uh, Hero or some of these others, mm-hmm. they look incredible. I mean, are they as fun and as uh, zen-like as they look on these videos? Oh, they are great. There's yeah. there's two retreats that I go back and forth with uh, that are top tier. So you have the Hero Academy BJJ retreat in Tamarindo, Costa Rica, and uh Essentially, that's a lot of training, but you're you also and Ron Jarman, the guy who runs it, he is the best host. He puts you up at the right hotels, has a list of recommend, restaurant recommendations, and so there's a lot of freedom with that. And if you want to have kind of a traincation, it's top tier. Mm. The other one that I highly recommend is Grappler's Retreat, and that's that is even more intimate. Um, so it's limited to 16 people. It's up in Northern California in Mendocino, beautiful environment. You're nestled in the redwoods and everybody trains together, but then they also eat their meals together. The meals are prepared by a chef. They have a Thai night. They have, you know, Alex, the, the, the guy up there is, uh, a master meat griller. I mean, he's, he's the man. So everyone is really well-fed well-nourished and it just takes it to that next level of of luxury and i mean it's nourishing technically it's nourishing physically and plus you get to shift your environment you know get out of those normal cues that we experience every day and bond with other people and that just the the most important thing in jiu-jitsu is not really the techniques or the fact that we're exercising but it's the ability to connect with other people mm-hmm in a meaningful way you make friends out there people 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 miss that especially i mean i mean we're interacting through screens but people spend too much time behind a screen and not enough time realizing that hey that guy that guy at the gym he's super cool guy he's one of my best training partners he has he has totally different political beliefs than me but that doesn't mean anything because i know him and he's a so great that, guy. So that, I mean, Republican and Democrats, the, you don't, the, the meaningless on a jujitsu gym. Meaningless. 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 So true. I never even thought about it like that. Wow. It couldn't be any more meaningless than it already is when you walk into a jujitsu gym. Hey, uh, just curious, who besides mm-hmm. Roy Harris or some of these guys that have trained you, uh, who who's the, you know, Give us a one or two names of a guy that you've rolled with over the years that has just always been a nightmare for you, if there is anybody that comes to mind. Oh, well, one of my black belts, Ben Dyson. He ben made Dyson. it to ADCC. So he's an ADCC vet. He uh, won the European trials. He's always been tough. Last time I tapped him was when he was a brown belt. Now he's a second degree black. Wow. And he is... I rolled with him when I, I just did a seminar in Vancouver and there's, there's nothing I can do against him. He's, he's, he's a total stud. And how long was and, he with you for right? when, when he started, what was he at? Well, he started with my British affiliate back in pool England. And then he taught for, so he's always trained with a lot of other people, but always come back to me for, for belts. Gotcha. And which is how I really, I like my guys to have, you have to have a lot of different perspectives, a lot of different inputs to have a well-rounded jujitsu game. Mm-hmm. Usually one main teacher, but be open to other perspectives because they can, they might unlock the art for you in a different kind of way. Sure. 
you know, and there's, you know, just today, my, my buddy, Anthony Mantanona, who runs the academy here in Palm Desert, CVBJJ, they have a great YouTube channel as well. Uh, he's not a nightmare. He's a pleasure to roll with, but he, you know, today, man, he had my number. I just, I just didn't have anything. Well, for you him said today. it was a rough one. <laughs> yeah. It, you know, yeah. he had my number and it's yeah. ev not every day is like that, but you're like, Oh, that's, that's really, that's really, um, it's great actually, because here's the thing when you're a white belt and you're like, man, if I could just win half the time, I'd be happy. Right. right. And then when you're a, a brown belt, you're winning most of the time, but you know, maybe the, the black belts can still beat you. And then when you're a fourth degree black belt, you win almost all the time. But what's the fun if you don't lose sometimes? Yeah. It keeps you on your A game, right? Because I know you're going to be thinking about that tonight <laughs> and you're going to come back a little more ready next time for him. Oh yeah. In, in fact, with him, it's not even, it's not even like that. It's like, oh, it, um, it's, it's just pleasurable. We end up laughing half the time when we're rolling. He's like, oh man, you slipped out of that. But, uh, there are people that, you know, trust me, there are guys that gun for you. They see you on the mat and they're like, oh, yeah. I want to tap, I want to tap him. And some, you know, occasionally they do, but then you're like, okay, I know, I, I know. Okay. You're going to give me that kind of a role. Okay. We'll, we'll, we'll do it, yeah. you know, but it's not worth it to keep your guard up all the time and smash everybody all the time that now we're, now we're into some kind of like war mentality where everyone's a threat. Mm. It's not, it shouldn't be like that. It should be, Hey man, let's, we're here. Let's have a good time. Let's learn from the exchange. And um, sometimes when I roll with people, I let them get the first tap. Mm. And that really like takes it down a notch. And then if I tap them three more times, they're like, oh man, he kind of let me have that. But one of my favorite videos of yours was you had, you posted one, I think recently within the past year, uh, the 20 minute straight rolling or 25 oh, yeah. minutes. And yeah, you, yeah, just yeah. Kept, you just kept tapping this guy at will, who was at least a purple or a brown belt. It's just yeah. so effortless. You make it look. I'm telling guys, if you're listening, we've linked your your YouTube in the show notes. You got to go watch Roy Dean roll. It, it doesn't look like fighting. It almost looks like ballet. How smooth you make it look. It's it's incredible. Uh, well, testament to my teachers, and you know, a lot of it is just knowing what's coming and being sensitive. So, being able to feel what the person is doing and where their weight is. A long time ago, I read a study that tracked how quickly you can process information visually and then how pro how quickly you can do it tactically right so with through tactile through feel and it's so much faster through feel mm. so the more you get into feeling where what they're doing in jujitsu and less about where they're grabbing like less eyes more feeling that's when you start to that's when you start to get the good timing and things start to really smooth out uh, it's awesome stuff, man. Uh, RoyDean.com. Like I said, we've linked you up in the show notes, the website, YouTube, social media. You can find them there. Um, like I said, awesome talking to you and uh, wishing you nothing but continued success. I appreciate the opportunity, Nate. Best to you and your journey.